True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, among others. They'll do all of that so you can do literally anything else. You have better things to do with your free time than focus on your lawn care. Let True Green take care of all the hard work it takes to get a great lawn while you take care of everything else on your to-do list. You can trust True Green to give you the best lawn because they are the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. They offer a satisfaction guarantee and they have a verified best price promise, which gives you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. Think about how hard it is to manage our fantasy baseball teams. You need all the time you can get to put in waiver wire claims, fab bids, send out trades, and set your lineups. You'll have that extra time when True Green is taking care of your lawn. You do you, let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people, guaranteed. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. High drive, center field, hit the wall, grand slam. This is magnificent. Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now here's Frank, Scott, Chris, and Adam. Happy Monday, everybody, and welcome to Fantasy Baseball Today, September 28th. Frank Stanfield, not alongside Scott White. We have a special guest on today. More on that in a second. Just want to give a big congrats to everybody who won their Fantasy Baseball Leagues. It was a wild, wacky, and fun abbreviated 2020 season that featured lots of twists and turns. If you managed to pull it off, give yourself a pat on the back between all of the covid related postponements that we had and injuries. I mean, this season was an absolutely wild one. So honestly, if you came out on top, give yourself a pat on the back because it was a crazy, crazy season. Today on the show, we're going to do this a little bit different. We're doing a wild card round betting preview. We're taking a look at some futures as well, including you know some World Series predictions, some ALNL outright winners, some long shot bets. No, we are not becoming a betting podcast. So if you're listening to this, you are in the right place. It's the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast feed. But Scott and I are still recording, like normal, twice a week in the offseason. I'm actually going to re- record with him later tonight on Monday, and that'll be in your feed early Tuesday morning. But we just thought that we'd give you guys a little bit extra content uh, throughout the MLB postseason. You know, if you want to throw a few shekels around, if you want to throw some bets, which brings me to our guest, John Bowman, who is a statistical analyst for CBS and works with Sportsline, giving out MLB and NHL picks. Make sure to follow him on Twitter at jbowman, B-O-L-L-M-A-N 11. This is literally our first time talking, John, so I'm looking forward to it. How's life? How are you doing? How's everything going? Yeah, uh, pretty good. Thank you for having me, Frank. Um, looking forward to the podcast, to be honest. Excited to talk about some baseball. Yeah, this time of year, we were talking about it before we even got started. And look, it's unique in that 2020 is just a crazy year in general, but everything that's going on, I mean, we have the NFL regular season in full swing. We have the MLB postseason starting up like normal, but we have like the NBA finals going on. Like, it's just a crazy time. And, you know, for the first time in a while, it, it kind of feels like a normal year with all the sports going on. So uh, from that sense, I am, I'm looking forward to this. And I'm looking forward to postseason baseball because it is one of my favorite times of the year. Every pitch counts. And 
I just think that this one is going to be even crazier. Look, we have 16 teams. This is something we've never seen before. But before we jump into that, John, I mean, give everyone a little bit of background on yourself. How did you get into this field? What is it that you do exactly for uh, CBS as well? What do you think of the 2020 baseball season? All that fun stuff. Yeah. So uh, my name is John Bowman. Uh, I was born and raised in Bethesda, Maryland. Uh, I played baseball uh, through varsity in high school, but nobody really wants a slow defensive shortstop in division one. So I decided to, I didn't want uh, baseball to determine what school I went to. So I went to Tulane university undergrad uh, pub, uh, majored in public health and then went to the graduate school and majored in biostatistics. And that's really where I started my uh, baseball slash statistics background. I worked as a quantitative analyst for the Tulane baseball team for a little bit. And then after that, went into player development and high performance for the Blue Jays. And, and that's what got me here. Say that again. What was that you do with the Blue Jays? Player development and high performance departments. So I, I worked in both departments, uh, working on a lot of player development, player analysis, um, player plans, as well as high performance. So kind of just like sports science. All right, so you guys can already tell by listening if you're watching us on YouTube as well. Like, John is 100% smarter than me. Like, there's no chance. But, <laughs> but no, nah, it sounds like you have, you know, a pretty interesting, uh, interesting background there, and you've done some work with the Blue Jays. So, man, I am, uh, I am looking forward to this. So you're into all the, you know, WOBA, XFIP, you know, all the kind of crazy advanced analytical tools for baseball. Yeah, exactly. I'll, I'll try to dumb it down a, a little bit. I use OPS more uh, to try to uh, interact with more fans, if that makes sense, or not lose the interest of more fans would be a better way to say it. Hey, man, look, don't hold back here because that's basically what we do every single day for an hour out of the day is we just talk about all the StatCast data, expected stats, WOBA, XFIB. I mean, we just throw it around all the time. So, you know, feel free to just do what you would normally do. Don't hold back here on the show. All right, so the MLB playoffs, let's jump right in. This is not what we're used to. There are 16 teams that made the playoffs here in the 2020 season. They're obviously trying something new here. And the wild card round, which is more like the NBA and the NHL, where we have eight teams from the American League and eight teams from the National League that made the playoffs this season. The American League wild card round starts on Tuesday, September 29th, whereas the NL wild card round starts on Wednesday, September 30th. Um, the first round, of course, is eight best of three matchups in this round, uh, which will be played at the higher seeds home ballpark. So let's take a look at what the matchups are. In the American League, we have the Toronto Blue Jays who are traveling to the Tampa Bay Rays. We have the Yankees traveling to Cleveland. We have the Houston Astros traveling to the Minnesota Twins. The Chicago White Sox traveling to the Oakland A's. The Milwaukee Brewers traveling to the Los Angeles Dodgers. The Cardinals traveling to the Padres, the Marlins traveling to the Chicago Cubs, and the Cincinnati Reds traveling to the Atlanta Braves. John, before we actually break down the matchups, what do you think of this postseason setup, the expansion of more teams making the playoffs this year, and the fact that the first round will be played at the higher seeds home ballpark, and then after that, the NLDS, the ALDS, and beyond will be played in a neutral site. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think it'll be tough this year, especially for the favorites, uh, teams like the Rays and the Dodgers, who wouldn't normally have to go through this three-game wild card series, are having to go through it. And teams that are pretty deep in their rotations, once again, like the Dodgers, who have four or five legitimate playoff starters, it's going to be tough for them because they only have three games to show off all this power. 
Yeah, no, it's crazy in that it's like it's such a small sample size of just three games. I mean, it's a best of three series. Like anything can happen in that time. I mean, that's why it's so crazy. But I guess if there's ever a season to try out something new, it's here in, a, in, a, in an abbreviated 60-game season. I mentioned that after the first round, the wild card round, that they will be moving to neutral sites. So the NLDS will be played in Globe Life Park, uh, Globe Life Field, excuse me, in Arlington, Texas, and in Minimade Park in Houston. Of course, that's a National League side because we don't want the Houston Astros, if they advance, to be playing in Minimade Park, of course. And then the ALDS will be played in Petco Park in San Diego and Dodger Stadium in Los Angeles. The NLCS will be in Globe Life Field. The ALCS will be in Petco Park. And the World Series will be played in Globe Life Field, which, of course, opened in 2020. So they're trying to highlight that venue. Uh, in terms of advantages, who might be at a big disadvantage here, the one thing that I noticed, the Yankees were you know, one of the best teams at home this year, as they always are. They were 22-9 and nine at home. They were 11-18 and 18 on the road. So they're playing, if they need to play three games in the wildcard round, all three of those will be on the road in Cleveland. The Twins might have the best advantage in the first round, but if they go beyond that... Um, it seems like they will be at a disadvantage. They had the best home record in baseball this year at 24-7. and They were 12-17 and on the road. And then surprise, surprise, the Houston Astros were 20-8 and at home. Not like they've ever done anything weird, you know, banned in, in Houston before. Uh, they were 9-23 and on the road. So, of course, they are at a disadvantage in the wild card round. In terms of trends, betting trends, the most relevant trend that I found was, according to an article on WagerBop, if you want to bet MLB postseason single games over the past 10 years, the money line and the run line records for home dogs, home underdogs, are both profitable. 48 and 47 on the money line, which is a 50.5% winning rate, and then 57 and 38 on the run line. So that's like when you see a little plus 1.5 for those who are just kind of jumping into betting. It means that you're, the team that you bet on has to either lose by one run or less or win the game. So home dogs have been very profitable there, 60% over the past 10 years, which automatically, John, gets me thinking about, like, Cleveland. Because I'm a Yankee fan. You see the stuff behind me. I have the Derek Jeter fathead on the wall. I have some Yankee paraphernalia. And Cleveland are going to likely be home dogs. Well, they are home dogs for the entire series, but likely going to be home dogs throughout each game. And they have fantastic pitching. So I thought that this trend was interesting. And as much as I love the Yankees, uh, you know, I think Cleveland can make some noise here. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Uh, the Indians bullpen is ranked fifth in the league. They got a 3.53 ERA. So this is kind of what we were talking about earlier in the sense that the Indians are stacked with their pitchers, both starting pitchers and relievers. They've got Aaron C. Valley, Tristan McKenzie, probably won't even start in the wild card series. They could definitely, they, they will most likely come in in probably game two or game three if we get there. But I, I think this, this series, a three game series, kind of takes away from the strengths of the Indians, uh, to be honest. Mm, takes away the strength. Yeah, I mean, they, they do have one of the deepest rotations, although I know Aaron Savali got blown up over the weekend, which might have hurt some people's fantasy baseball championships. Someone that I liked all season. Didn't really see that one coming. But uh, yeah, I mean, even if you just look at the top three that they have, might be the best top three in the postseason. So we'll get into that a little bit later on. Uh, but let's break down each series. We'll start off with the game that will be played first, and that is on Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern time. The Houston Astros traveling to the Minnesota Twins. That's the number six seed Astros at the number three seed Twins. The series price here, this is according to the DraftKings Sportsbook. 
The Twins are a minus 159 favorite. Houston is plus 130. The last 10 games entering the postseason, the Twins were 6-4 and four straight up. The Astros were 4-6. and six. Rotations here, I think you give the edge to the Minnesota Twins. Kenta Maeda and Jose Barrios. Then they have a combination of Michael Pineda and Rich Hill to round out their rotation if it goes to a third game. Zach Greinke is going first, but like, really hasn't been great over the past month or so. The underlying numbers look much better than the actual numbers, but he hasn't been good. And then they have, you know, a crew of Lance McCullers, Framber Valdez, Jose Urquidy, and Christian Javier. Uh, looking at the lineups, I think very similar. They're like 14th. The Twins are 14th in Woba. The Houston Astros were 18th in Woba. I still think that the Astros are probably the more talented group overall, but is Nelson Cruz healthy? He had a knee injury that he came back from over the weekend. Um, and overall, I mean, the Houston Astros, yeah, they have a lot of talent, but a lot of people in their lineup let us down this year outside of really George Springer and Kyle Tucker. I think the bullpen advantage for the Minnesota Twins. Uh, John, how are you breaking down this series between the Twins and the Houston Astros? Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think first I would want to look at the starters. I would agree with you where the Twins do have a slight advantage, but the, the Astros are sneaky good with their rotation. Lance McCullers is on 17 and two thirds earned run streak. He did allow four unearned runs two starts ago, but this is in his last three starts. And ironically enough, the Astros lost all three of those games. Uh, uh, Lance McCullers has been very good. Jose Arquiti, we know from last year that he was very good in the playoffs. Uh, he's never faced the twins, but he allowed one run in 10 innings in the playoffs last season. Um, we could go back to Jose Barrios. Jose Barrios has been very good recently. Um, I I think I would give the the advantage to the Twins here for sure. Um, and then ironically enough, uh, OPS against lefties. So the Twins are have a 6.58 OPS against lefties. It's ranked 27th in the league. The Astros have a 7.02 OPS against lefties. It's ranked 22nd in the league. Both of these teams were top 10 against lefties last year. So I thought this was very interesting and. I thought it was kind of interesting, for, uh, especially looking at Michael Pineda, because I thought the Twins might start Rich Hill to put a lefty in against the Astros. Yeah, they definitely can, and it makes sense. I mean, that might be why the Astros, I mean, if they get to a second or third game, I guess like Framber Valdez, I mean, is a lefty, obviously, and the Twins have struggled. And, and that was a stat we brought up all season long, that the Twins, you know, as good as their lineup was, that they struggled against left-handed pitching. So, you know, maybe that's a reason why the Astros would turn to a Framber Valdez and, and maybe why the Twins would turn to a Rich Hill if they get to a third game. I think that the bullpen is the advantage for the Minnesota Twins. Uh, you know, Taylor Rogers has been rocky here and there. Sergio Romo, the guy throws like 83 miles per hour, but for... You know, you watch a slider, it's just like fantastic. So for the most part, um, their bullpen has been really good. And they have some other names in there like Tyler Duffy and Trevor May who have been great all season. The Astros have really struggled in that department all season long. Once Roberto Osuna went down, Ryan Presley was like, okay. You know, I, he was not the dominant Ryan Presley that we've seen before. Uh, if I had to handicap this specific series, I would lay the 159 minus 159 with the Minnesota Twins. But it's not... It's not something I love. Yeah, and it, it was kind of tough for Presley in that situation too because the Astros had so many rookies in their bullpen that he was he kind of had to carry the whole burden for them. So it was a little bit of an unfair position for Presley. But no, I agree with you in Framber Valdez as well. Maybe maybe both teams are kind of holding their lefties back in case they take the lead in game one or game two so they can put in either Rich Hill or Framber Valdez to 
to save that game. So I would agree. I, I like the, the money on the Twins here. The Astros have lost three straight games, and they have not looked very good. And I'm very worried about the back end of their of their pitching. All right, let's move on to the White Sox and the Oakland A's, the number seven seed White Sox, who really just faltered down the stretch. They were in the lead for the American League Central basically all season, and then they just really scuffled two and eight straight up in their last 10 games. They're going out to Oakland, where the A's are minus 122 favorites in the series, according to the DraftKings Sportsbook. The White Sox are plus 100. First game is on Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern time. Rotations you're looking at here for the A's, you just have a collection of who's who. And and really, this is just what the Oakland A's do all, everywhere, right? It's like their lineup, you don't necessarily have a star in it, but they just kind of piece it together, and it's the same thing with their rotation. You have Chris Bassett, and you have Sean Manaya and Mike Fires, and Jesus Lazardo, who you know we were hoping would kind of step in as an ace this season, but he was still kind of inconsistent, which isn't crazy considering how young he is. Uh, for the White Sox, they actually do have a legitimate ace in Lucas Giolito, who threw a no-hitter in 2020. Dallas Keuchel, who, you know, while the underlying numbers say might have been a little bit lucky this year, he was very good for the Chicago White Sox. And then you're probably looking at a combination of, like, Dane Dunning or Dylan Cease if we get to a third game. Uh, in terms of the lineups, the White Sox were eighth in weighted on base average all season, while the Oakland A's were 16th. But I will say, like, the White Sox, part of the reason why they scuffled so much down the stretch is because their lineup kind of slowed up. And specifically, Luis Robert, who just got off to like this fantastic start, and now he's just swinging and missing at everything. The White Sox are still very deep. They have Jose Abreu, obviously, and, and Tim Anderson and Yasmani Grandal. Eloy Jimenez also banged up dealing with a midfoot sprain. Um, Oakland mentioned they just kind of pieced together. Sean Murphy's red hot for that team. Jake Lamb has been great for them since Matt Chapman went down. Uh, and the bullpens are both very good. They're both top seven in ERA in baseball, but Oakland is first in ERA with a 2.72 ERA. So John, if you are hand handicapping this series, the White Sox and the A's, who are you looking at here? Yeah, this is a tough one. I've actually got the White Sox winning the series. Uh, Sean, we've, we've got Sean Mania, Chris Bassett, and Maybe Frankie Montas in the rotation for the A's. I think they've got to win one of these early games. The White Sox are have an 887 OPS, good for second in the league against lefties. Uh, so they could they could hit Manaya. Manaya's pitched seven straight games, going at least five innings and allowing three or fewer runs. So he has finally found it since he struggled to begin the season. Chris Bassett is two and one with a 304 and four starts against the White Sox this season. Or, or starts, starts against the White Sox in his career. Sorry. And he's five and two with a two, two, nine this year. He's been, he's been the, he's been lights out for the A's this season. So I think that the, I like the White Sox in this series. It's a, it's around to pick them right now. Like you said, the A's have the best bullpen in the league, but the White Sox aren't that bad either. So, and uh, the White Sox bullpen features a lefty and crotchet from the left side who, goes over 100 miles an hour. Colome has been absolutely lights out since I think two years back. He hasn't, he's blown one save, I believe something like that. So I like the White Sox in this one. Yeah, I mean, from a fantasy perspective, I'm still waiting for Alex Colome to fall off, but it just never happens. So the guy just makes me look absolutely dumb every single season. But another fine year for Colome. He had a, a 0.81 ERA in 
21 appearances for the White Sox this season, albeit his XFIP was 4.26. So I'm waiting for the regression to come at some point, but it hasn't happened for Alex Colomay yet. Uh, we're two for two. I'm going to lean with the White Sox here at plus 100. I think that they have a legitimate horse in Lucas Giolito. I think that their lineup is deeper, but it's... I will say it's dangerous betting against Oakland because they just find a way to win and they do have a fantastic bullpen. So uh, not fully confident here, but a lean on the White Sox at plus 100. The Blue Jays, number eight seed, your Toronto Blue Jays, John, traveling to the Tampa Bay Rays, who are the number one seed in the American League. Tampa Bay is minus 200 for the series. Toronto is plus 162. First pitch Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern time. Heads up this season. Tampa Bay won four of seven games against the Blue Jays. The final 10 games of the season, Tampa Bay was eight and two. The Blue Jays were six and four. You look at the rotations, the Rays arguably have the best three-man rotation in the league. Maybe like Cleveland, the Dodgers are up there with them as well. But they have Blake Snell, they have Tyler Glass now, and they have Charlie Morton. And then for the Blue Jays, they have their ace in Hyunjin Ryu. But how much do you trust Taiwan Walker and Matt Shoemaker once you get past that first game for the Blue Jays? The lineups here, Toronto, 12th in weighted on base average, Tampa Bay 13th. So not really far off here. Um, Tampa Bay really reminds me a lot of Oakland where they just kind of piece together this lineup. They have a lot of platoons, a lot of split situations, but Brandon Lau has you know been the breakout for them this season. Toronto, everyone talks about Bo Bichette and Vlad Jr., but they actually have a, like, a sneaky deep lineup. Teoscar Hernandez, 16 home runs, a 919 OPS this season. Lourdes Gurriel, an 882 OPS. I mean, their first five, six hitters in this lineup are all legitimate. And I think really, really good hitters. You look at the bullpens, huge, huge advantage for Tampa Bay here. Third in ERA, Toronto is just 24th. John, how are you looking at this series? The Blue Jays traveling to the race. Yeah, the Blue Jays lineup has been very legitimate this year. Uh, and like you said, the top six hitters, they're all interchangeable too. You've got Kevin Biggio, Bo Bichette, Teoscar Hernandez. Travis Shaw's been hitting well in the middle of the lineup too. So the Blue Jays lineup is pretty solid. Like you said, though, the starting pitching is a little iffy after Ryu and Walker. They'll be piecing it together if they do get past two games, but I don't know if they'll even do that with the way that the Rays have been playing and this Rays rotation. Blake Snell's four and two with a three, two, four. He only allowed two earned runs in seven and two thirds innings against the Blue Jays this season. Uh, neither Glasnow nor Walker has faced the other team uh, this season or in their careers. Or, sorry, this season. Uh, and then after Shoemaker, you've got Nate Pearson who can come out of the bullpen and his, I've, I've seen his stuff live. It plays up, especially out of the bullpen. I've seen him throw one Oh three live before that kid is unreal. And, but then you go back to the Rays, and they've got Ryan Yarborough. They've got Nick Anderson. I think it was eight different guys with saves this season. I'm not sure the exact number, but it's something like that. And I think that's where the Rays will win this, win this series is they have a three, three, seven ERA. Good for third uh, out of the bullpen. Good for third in the league. While the Blue Jays have a four seven one ERA, which is twenty fourth in the league. Yeah, so huge advantage there for the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, I think Tampa Bay is going to win this series, but the thing I wouldn't bet it because minus two hundred. Like, there's not a lot of value there, and it, it it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, at least based on how they've played straight up this year, the Rays won four out of seven games. That means okay, Toronto at least has a chance here. So if I'm laying 200, I have to be pretty confident that they're going to win. Uh, So I think Tampa Bay will win this series, but would I actually lay the 200? That's a no for me, John. 
Yeah, I would completely agree. And the Blue Jays are a very sneaky team for upset. They don't, they're playing, they don't, they have nothing to play for right now. They're just playing, they're having fun. So I, w- I would not be surprised if they do upset the Rays. All right, the Yankees traveling to the Twins spoke about this one a little bit. And, man, when I saw the final standings as a Yankee fan, was not excited that we have to play the Cleveland Indians. We, as if, you know, I'm a member of the Yankees. I'm not, but, you know, let's just imagine that I am for a second. The Yankees, for the series, are minus 134 favorites. The Cleveland Indians are plus 110. First game, Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern time. Last 10 games of the season, Cleveland. 8-2 8-2 and two straight up. The Yankees, 4-6 and six straight up. You look at the rotations. Look, if you want aces, you've come to the right place. Shane Bieber going up against Garrett Cole in game one. It is going to be fantastic to watch. And Cole really, really turned it on. I believe it was his final four starts with Kyle Higashioka as his catcher where he really just took off. I think he lowered his ERA from like 3.91 to 2.84 over those final four starts. And it seems like they have a legitimate connection between him and Kyle Higashioka. And I actually trust Tanaka. I think Tanaka, you know, shows up very well in the postseason for the Yankees. But if they get to that third game, you're looking at Jay Happ, Jordan Montgomery, Davey Garcia, some kind of combination uh, of maybe two of those, maybe all of them. I think that, you know, we could see like two innings out of each of them. Um, And then for Cleveland, look, Bieber, Carrasco, uh, arguably the AL Cy Young in Bieber and comeback player of the year in Carrasco, Zach Plesac, one of the biggest breakouts in 2020. The lineups, huge advantage for the Yankees here. I think that's very obvious. They are fifth in weighted on base average. Cleveland just 26th. But I will say this. The Yankees strike out a ton. And this is not the rotation you want to go up against if you strike out a lot. And we've seen this be their downfall in the past where it's boomer bust, home runner bust, uh, home runner strike, you know, three true outcomes, whatever it might be for the Yankees here. And Jose Ramirez is on fire for Cleveland. He batted 366 with 10 home runs in September. And you know how hot this guy can get when he gets on one of these stretches. So I know it sounds like I'm a Cleveland Indians fan, the way that I'm like talking this up, but I'm actually just like a very pessimistic Yankee fan. Uh, and then for bullpens, you would think, think the Yankees have one of the best, but they scuffled this year. 16th in ERA, Cleveland fifth with Brad Hand and James Karinchak. John, what are you thinking here? Because even as a Yankee fan, I'm being realistic, and and my early lean is Cleveland plus 110. Yeah, I mean, this is, I think this is the series of of, of the first round. Uh, and like you said, Jose Ramirez is on absolute fire right now, and it seems like he's always up in the big situation too. It's, it's, he's always in the situation to get the big hit. But uh, I, like you said, I think Cleveland very obviously has a starting rotation uh, uh, on their side. But once you get – and then the Yankees have Cole up top, and Tanaka has been much better recently. But then you get towards Hap, and then you've got a lot of a lot of relievers that are very good, but how many innings can they go? You've got Britton, Ottavino, Chapman at the end of your bullpen, but who's going to fill up those middle innings for you guys? So I think that's a big question. And – for the Indians, their 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 uh, lineup has not been very good this season. They're ranked 24th in OPS against righties and 24th against OPS against lefties, but that's not their strength. Uh, their bullpen, they're they have a 3.53 ERA. They're ranked fifth in the league. Like you said, the Yankees actually haven't been that good from the bullpen. So I think with with the Indians lineup, unless unless the Yankees can hit homers, then I think the Indians will take it. 
it's painful, man. It is painful to say, but if I am handicapping this series and looking at it objectively, I actually would bet on Cleveland at plus 110. That's according to the DraftKings Sportsbook. Uh, and that's it for the American League wildcard round at this point. We're going to take a quick break. I do want to remind everyone, yes, Tuesday's podcast, Scott White and myself are back. We're doing the 2020 Fantasy Baseball Season Awards. You know, our MVP, our least valuable player, breakout player of the year, waiver wire edition of the year. We'll have that. Uh, make sure that you're watching us on YouTube, youtube.com fantasy baseball today and subscribe when we come back we will look at the national league wild card round we'll do that here fantasy baseball today worn by players like michael harris to meet the demand of elite ball players the new balance fuel cell 4040 v7 is a versatile option the 4040 v7 is built for the athlete who needs responsiveness and ability to cut and run at their full speed the model features a fuel cell foam underfoot and a synthetic and mesh upper to provide breathability, comfort, and a snug fit as you round the bases. The fuel cell midsole features nitrogen-infused foam specifically designed to propel athletes forward. Learn more about the 4040 at newbalance.com. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more for way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. Let's move on to the National League. We have the number seven seed Cincinnati Reds at the number two Atlanta Braves. The Braves minus 137 on the series price. Cincinnati plus 113. First game Wednesday at noon Eastern time. The last 10 games of the season. Cincinnati seven and three straight up. The Atlanta Braves six and four straight up. This is a classic example of pitching versus hitting. Who will prevail? The Atlanta Braves, number one in weighted on base average this season in terms of their lineup. And I would argue the deepest lineup in baseball, even deeper than the Los Angeles Dodgers with Freddie Freeman, Marcelo Zuna, Ronald Acuna, Dansby Swanson, Ozzie Albies, Travis Darno just had a breakout year. Well, actually a follow-up to his breakout 2019 where we didn't know if it was real or not, but it looks real. The rotations, of course, huge advantage for Cincinnati. Trevor Bauer, Luis Castillo, and Sonny Gray up top going up against Max Freed, who's great and National League Cy Young candidate. But once you get past him, you have a rookie in Ian Anderson and you have Kyle Wright, who is just kind of like meh to me. And you look at the bullpens, uh, Atlanta, 3.50 ERA, Cincinnati, 4.53. They did trade for Archie Bradley halfway through the season. So that should help. But if you're just breaking it down, lineup advantage, Atlanta, bullpen advantage, Atlanta, Starting rotation advantage, huge, huge for the Cincinnati Reds. John, who do you like here between the Braves and the Reds? Yeah, uh, I'm actually on the Reds here. They're my upset of the first round, and I, I really like them. They could even go further than just just the divisional series, to be honest. Uh, and like you said, this is your classic hitting versus pitching matchup. The Braves, a few years ago, if you told them that their rotation in the playoffs would have been freed Anderson right, I think they would have been happy, but I don't think they would have known that this would have been the exact performances that uh, they were going to expect. Ian Anderson is three and two with a one nine five this season, but we can't forget that this is, you only made a few starts. He's still a rookie. This is a small sample size as well. So you can't get blinded by those numbers. And he's facing Luis Castillo, who's been 
on absolute fire. Trevor Bauer is a Cy Young candidate and Sonny Gray. We know he's been on the six hits or fewer streak for who knows how long now. I think he's continued it. But uh, although there were a few poor performances that kept that streak going, but I like the Reds here for sure. Yeah, look, it's it's hard because <laughs> you don't want to bet against the Braves lineup, but if there's anyone that can shut it down, I mean, it would be Bauer, Castillo, Sonny Gray, as we've seen out of them all season long. And I will say, like, the Reds ranked 17th in weighted on base average as a team this season, but I, I think that they are better than that. We did have some underperformance, some injuries. Mike Moustakis was out for a little bit of time. Uh, Nick Castellanos got off to a great start, but then really slowed down for that team. Joey Votto, been a little bit inconsistent, but obviously he's a little bit older now. I'm with you, man. I'm going to go with Cincinnati, plus 113. I think that there is legitimate value there. Bray's lineup is scary for sure, but I don't think that I can trust in Ian Anderson while he has looked great and Kyle Wright once we get past that first game for the Atlanta Braves. Moving on to the Marlins at the Cubs, number six seed Miami Marlins at the number three Chicago Cubs. Cubs minus 177. For the series price, the Marlins are plus 144. That is according to the DraftKings Sportsbook. First game Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern time. Final 10 games, the Cubs 4-6 and six straight up. The Marlins 5-5 five and five straight up. Rotations, advantage. Cubs, they have a legitimate workhorse ace in you, Darvish. Kyle Hendricks really broke out this year with his improved curveball usage. Uh, John Lester kind of is what he is at this point, but, you know, not a bad veteran to have as your third starting pitcher. And I think the Marlins have a lot of talent, but the thing is, they're all young. It's Pablo Lopez, Sandy Alcantara, Sixto Sanchez. How will they perform under pressure? I think that that is a huge question mark for this series. You look at the lineups, the Cubs, very disappointing this year. 19th and weighted on base average. The Marlins, 21st. Uh, you would have thought that there would you know be a bigger disparity between those two this season. But the Cubs, a lot of letdowns. Really, outside of Ian Happ and Jason Hayward, you know, did not get the performances we were hoping out of Anthony Rizzo and Chris Bryant, who starting to heat up a little bit over the weekend here, but still not enough. And Javier Baez just, oh gosh, John. Javier Baez, <laughs> for years, I did not buy into him as a fantasy asset because of his swing and miss. And he just strikes out so much. And this was the year where I was finally like, I'm not betting against Javier Baez anymore. Like, I'm buying in. And I drafted him everywhere, and he let me down. So Javier Baez, you are dead to me. The Marlins lineup, um, it's scrappy. It's not great. I think Starling Marte somewhat legitimizes them. Uh, their bullpens, neither are great, but a slight advantage to the Cubs. Craig Kimbrell in September had eight appearances where he did not allow a run. And for the Marlins, they really just have Brandon Kinsler and not much else. I am leaning with the Cubs here. What do you think, John? Yeah, I would agree with you. I think this is a pretty easy Cubs pick. I do think if this series goes a little longer than the Cubs are, the longer the series goes, the more trouble the Cubs are in. The Marlins have a 775 OPS, which is actually good for eighth in the league against lefties, while the Cubs have a 619 OPS, good for 29th in the league against lefties. So unfortunately for the Marlins, they don't have that, that good lefty starter to put up against the Cubs. But if this series gets to the third game and we have Lester versus Sanchez, you better believe that Sixto is going to go in there just absolutely gassing it with nothing to expect, while Lester hasn't been very good recently. And the Marlins are pretty good against lefties. So I wouldn't be surprised. I, I would definitely pick the Cubs here, especially at this line, but I wouldn't be surprised if it goes deep if the Marlins make a run it. No, I think that's a, I think that's a great point because John Lester, I, 
look, he is what he is. Sixto Sanchez did not perform great in his final two starts of the season, but again, he's a rookie. And how about all the starts before that where he looked fantastic? So I think you take all those things in mind. If I am betting on this, you know, handicapping this series, I am looking at the Cubs minus 177. Even with, you know, a decent price for the Marlins, I can't really get behind laying my money on them. So uh, I will go with the Cubs minus 177. The Cardinals, number five seed at the Padres. The Padres, huge, huge favorites here. And I don't really understand it. I'll, I'll, I'll explain why. The Padres minus 215. The Cardinals plus 172 for the series price. First pitch Wednesday, 5 p.m. Eastern time. The Padres 5-5 five and five straight up over their last 10 games of the season. The Cardinals 6-4. and four. The Padres, on paper, should have been, this should have been the series price, assuming that they had Mike Clevenger and assuming that Denelson Lamette was healthy. But neither of those guys are healthy. Clevenger is dealing with a right elbow injury, and I believe it was John Heyman who reported... We won't see him until the NLCS if they even make it that far. Denelson Lamette left, left his last start on Friday against the Giants with right biceps tightness, which is, which is what Clevenger was originally diagnosed with. So I'm, I'm worried about Lamette. They, they are hoping that he's ready to go. There's still no word if he's going to be ready to go for the first game. And I'm looking at the Cardinals, and they do have a, an ace in Jack Flaherty. They have Adam Wainwright, who's been there, done that, and he actually pitched great this season. Kwang Hyun Kim, who, say what you want about him, he also pitched great back in the rotation for the Cardinals. I love the Padres lineup, but Fernando Tatis has slowed down tremendously in September. Bullpens, it's a minimal advantage here for the St. Louis Cardinals. I don't think that the Cardinals lineup is good, by the way. I, I, just, I don't think that they're great. Dylan Carlson is coming around, you know, the final week of the season. There's, if I am handicapping, there's no chance that I can lay minus 215 with the San Diego Padres right now, given that the injury, injuries that they have, John. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, the Cardinals are are made for the playoffs. They're a playoff team. This organization is is made for the playoffs. Their, their lineup isn't very good. They're 25th in the league in OPS against righties, 21st in the league in OPS against lefties, but they've got pitching. And I think the main thing to look at is their bullpen is ranked 10th in the league this year with a 4-0-0 ERA. They kind of underperforms. Like, they can pitch much better. And like you said, Jack Flaherty is an ace. Adam Wainwright in the playoffs in a game three, deciding game three. Also, if you're the Padres, and last year I told you that if Clevenger was healthy, Paddock wouldn't even be in the rotation for your starting wild card series, you would have, I would have, you would have told me I'm crazy. <laughs> but here we are, Paddock's four and five with a four seven three. He could pitch in a deciding game three, and honestly, I'm not too confident in him if he does. Yeah, it it was a letdown season for Chris Paddock, two pitch pitcher. We're waiting for that curveball to develop. He's mainly fastball changeup. Something we talked about fantasy basically all season. What is wrong with Chris Paddock? And then you know, look, Zach Davies had a fantastic season for the Padres, but is it legitimate? He did change his pitch mix a little bit this year. He reminds me a lot of Kyle Hendricks. He throws like 87, 88 miles per hour with the fastball. He started using a cutter and a changeup more this season. But you have to ask yourself: Is this Zach Davies actually legitimate? So. I would pick the Padres to win this series, but if I'm actually handicapping it, there is no chance that I could lay minus 215 on the Padres. If you know, if I just wanted uh, to bet on a crazy upset in the first round, plus 172, I don't think it's crazy. So that's actually the way that I would look with the St. Louis Cardinals. The final series we'll talk about. John, you wanted to get another word in there? Yeah, the last thing I wanted to say is Jack Flaherty's actually 1-0 with a 1-1-0 ERA and three career starts against the Padres as well. So... Him facing Davies in that matchup could actually be the downfall of the Padres. 
<laughs> Absolutely, man. It's and it's tough because you know the Padres they went all in. They made the trade for Clevenger, but these things happen, and you know, unfortunately, the injuries just come at the worst time for the Padres. They still have Manny Machado, fantastic lineup, but uh, Tatis and Hosmer really, really slowed up in September. So I am worried about the San Diego Padres in that spot. The Milwaukee Brewers sneak into the playoffs, number eight seed at the Los Angeles Dodgers, the World Series favorites, number one seed, Dodgers. They are minus 315 on the series price. The Brewers are plus 242. First pitch, first pitch Wednesday at 10 p.m. Eastern time. Final 10 games of the season. The Dodgers 8-2 and two straight up. The Brewers 5-5. Five and five. Huge advantage for the rotation here uh, with the Dodgers. Walker Bueller going in game one. Clayton Kershaw, which Clayton Kershaw will show up. Will we get Clayton Kershaw that was fantastic all season in 2020? Or will we see playoff Clayton Kershaw where he has struggled at times, they have that combination of Tony Gonsolin, Dustin May, Julio Arias. If they get to a third game, they could even... I've read somewhere they could go with an opener. They could have, like, Bruce Dar Gratterall open the game and then have, like, one or a combination of those young pitchers come in for the Dodgers. And the Brewers, they might have had an outside shot if they had Corbin Burns. But Burns lands on the IL with an oblique strain in the final week of the season. I like Brandon Woodruff a lot, but once you get past him, you're looking at Brett Anderson, Josh Lindblom, Adrian Hauser... Uh, lineups, huge advantage for the Dodgers here as well. Second in weighted on base average. The Brewers, a uh, big letdown season for Christian Yelich. Just the strikeout rate really ballooned this year and something we're not used to seeing out of him. The Brewers have a great fan, um, a great one-two punch in the bullpen with Devin Williams and Josh Hader. But even with that, the Dodgers' ERA was better in the bullpen. 2.74. It's just, it's a slam dunk. I don't know that I would actually lay the minus 315 because there's not a lot of value here, but I think the Dodgers probably sweep the first two games of the series, John. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, Around 300, minus 300 line is a little ridiculous. Not to the point where I would bet on the Brewers, but the Dodgers have the advantage in every asset of this game, every facet of this game. We've got Walker Bueller, Clayton Kershaw, Julio Rios, and then they've got Dustin May, Tony Gonsolin in their bullpen, Caleric Jansen at the end. Uh, I, I just think it's too much for the Brewers, honestly. And like you said, Corbin Burns, the way he was pitching, that would have been their chance if he got in the starting rotation. But with him out, I, I really do not see them having a chance at all. Yeah, we agree there. Um, so recapping, you know, some of the series bets that I like for the first round, some of the favorites, the Cubs minus 177, uh, really like them to get it done there. That's probably the one that I have the most confidence in. And then the Dodgers at minus 315. You can parlay, these, parlay both of these together on DraftKings for plus 107, which I actually think is pretty decent value, uh, assuming that the Cubs and the Dodgers get it done. Live Dogs really like all three of these bets in order. The Cincinnati Reds plus 113 on the series, Cleveland plus 110, and the White Sox at plus 100. Uh, John, your favorite bets from the wild card round, whether it's an underdog, a favorite, whatever you have in mind. What are you thinking? Yeah, I would agree with you there. I, I think the Cubs have, have got that series pretty pretty handily. I like that line for sure. I wouldn't be – I kind of like the Cardinals line here for a, an a underdog pick. Um, like we just talked about with the Padres, there are a lot more question marks than this line shows. So I think as well as the Reds, White Sox, and Indians, I think the Cardinals would be a great value pick. All right. There you go. The wild card round in the books, man. Looking forward to it. Uh, Let's look a little bit forward, though. The World Series. Who do we have as of now? And I mentioned this in the past week on the show with Scott that I like the Indians and the Dodgers, which might sound... I think the American League is wide open. 
I really do. I think, you know, Tampa Bay, as much as you love the pitching, you worry a little bit about their hitting. They have no Austin Meadows, obviously. Uh, Cleveland has fantastic pitching. Obviously, the Yankees are always going. You know, if they get past uh, Cleveland, then obviously, you know, they're going to be live there. But the White Sox, I think, have an opportunity there as well. I I looked at the past five World Series winners, John, and they basically all have a ton of balance outside of the, the Kansas City Royals. The Royals back in... It would have been 2015, I believe it was, 2016, whenever they beat the Mets. They had a 4.34 ERA, which is 22nd in the league, and they were 11th in weighted on base average. They just had a fantastic bullpen. Um, So that was really the one outlier. But outside of them, the Nationals, the Red Sox, the Astros, the Cubs, the previous four World Series winners were all top eight in both starting pitcher ERA and in weighted on base average. So I think you are really looking at teams that have a lot of balance this year. And of course, the Dodgers are second in the league and weighted on base average, first in ERA, and it's not close. Uh, the Padres are fourth and seventh in both of those. A little bit more worried about them now, obviously. And then the White Sox are eighth and sixth. I am going with the Indians and the Dodgers in the World Series. I'll take the Dodgers to win it overall. Uh, but John, pre-wild card round, who are you looking for here as your, your World Series pick, and who do you think actually wins it all? Yeah, so I had the Dodgers winning it all before this season, and I'm going to stick with the Dodgers to win it all now. Uh, very chalky, very chalky, I know, but this Dodgers team has been there the last three, four years. If it weren't for a few uh, banging trash cans and sign stealing, they could have a World Series already. Also, I think without fans in the stadium, a neutral field, that benefits these, these favorites a lot more, especially the heavy favorites like the Dodgers. Uh, there's a not, there's a lot less noise, and I don't literally mean like the noise by the fans. I mean noise in the model uh, for those statisticians out there. But uh, I got the Rays on the other side. Is I think the Rays have that perfect combination of hitting and pitching, like you said. The numbers might not necessarily show it, but I think they've got that the starting starting rotation with Blake Snell, Tyler Glasnow, Charlie Morton. They've got the they've got the top three to make it to the World Series there. I think they've got the great bullpen and a lineup that can hit when they need to. But I'm still going to take the Dodgers over the Rays in the World Series. Yeah, we got chalky picks. It's hard to bet against the Dodgers. That's ultimately what it comes down to. And if I'm looking at some future bets, these odds come according to William Hill. The Dodgers at plus 350. It's chalk, but you know, get them now at that value because every round that they advance, you know, that number is just going to decrease more and more. So the Dodgers at plus 350, they're my favorite to win it all. I actually would put money down on the Dodgers there. But if you do just want some long shot bets, the Cincinnati Reds, if you're going to bet the Cincinnati Reds to, to win the National League, just win, just bet on them to win it all because you get them at plus 3,000 odds to win the World Series. It's plus 1,400 to win the National League. If they get past the Dodgers, there is a good chance that the Cincinnati Reds will win the World Series. So I'll just take the value at plus 3,000. Not throw, not throw a bunch on it, but I think given that rotation that they have um, and if the lineup actually shows up, they do have a lot of talent in that lineup, the Cincinnati Reds, and also the Chicago White Sox. If I'm just looking at a few teams to win the American League outright, I like the White Sox at plus 700 and the Cleveland Indians at plus 750 as well. Uh, John, anyone stand out in terms of some long shot bets in order... Uh, whether it's to win the American League, the National League, the World Series, uh, outside of your obvious Dodgers and Rays picks. Yeah, so using our, our our model, the model that we use for MLB, our sim percentage, we only have value on two teams, both in the National League. Uh, one's the Dodgers. We actually have them winning in 35.89% of sims out of 10,000 simulations. 
which is a ridiculous number, but this team is that good. So, and they would honestly be much higher if there wasn't a three game play in the series as well. So, and then the next team that has good value, slight good value is the Braves. Uh, they're actually projected to win in 9.62% of Sims. Uh, when their World Series odds are plus 1,100, which is implied odds of 8.3%. So we have a little over uh, a percentage point of value there. Awesome. Awesome stuff there. So they like the Braves. It's interesting. All right. Well, look, no matter who you ask, whether it's the model, whether it's John, whether it's me, it's the Dodgers or bust. But give you a few long shots there as well that I think can make some noise here in the postseason. Anything can happen, man. We're seeing it in the NBA Finals as well, right? Like the Miami Heat. Who had who had the fifth seed Miami Heat making it to the NBA Finals right now? So anything can happen this time of year, but I do think it is the Dodgers World Series to lose. They just need to show up and perform, which has been their biggest issue this time of year. Specifically, Clayton Kershaw, I am looking at you. John Bowman, thank you so much. Again, follow him on Twitter at jbowman11. Appreciate having you on the show here, man. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Frank. I had a great time. Yeah, it was fantastic. Uh, and maybe we'll do this, you know, as the rounds update, you know, maybe we'll do it before the ALDS and the NLDS, see how odds have changed a little bit. Uh, I'll talk to my people and see what I can string together here. For John, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today on our YouTube channel. We'll be back again tomorrow. Bye-bye. See you guys. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. Homes.com offers in-depth neighborhood guides with detailed video overviews, comprehensive narratives, and unbiased information from a multitude of sources. You thought we go in-depth with player analysis on fantasy baseball today? You haven't seen anything yet. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood complete with a video guide. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. When looking at local schools, they offer test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework.